We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City on June 4th. We are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This week, we are book clubbing Jennifer Lopez's memoir, True Love. This is a book about healing from your divorce, going back on tour, and writing a book about learning from your mistakes while secretly continuing to make another mistake in the form of a backup dancer named Casper. host, Chelsea Devantes, writer, comedian, and filmmaker. And this is actually the first episode of Celebrity Book Club that we ever recorded. This was recorded months ago. And I'm saying that to say that we recorded this episode before I read the Mariah Carey book and learned all about the feud that we covered in the Mariah episode between Mariah and Jennifer Lopez. And so none of that's included in this read. And I think it's actually a really good thing. Because we recorded this episode first, we gave this book a really pure read, just really took it for what it was. And yet... A huge theme came out when my guest and I were reading this book, and you'll hear it on the podcast. We keep coming back to this one theme that we're getting from the book. And it's amazing because now that I know the Mariah Carey context, I think she was talking to Mariah Carey in this book a little. You can decide for yourself if you think she's talking to Mariah in this book when you hear the episode, but I think the answer is yes. 
And her and Mariah's book could not be more opposite, literally in every way. And again, I continue to be obsessed with this feud because feuds are amazing stories. There's so much like conflict and action and feuds between women mean the two main characters are women. <laughs> so I, it's, it's always great stories with great complex female characters, just like Jennifer and Mariah, these layered and amazing women. So anyways... It's, it's interesting to listen to this episode with that context, I think. This episode being the very first one has a slightly different format where we deep dive on quotes from the book we love at the end of the episode. It's also a pretty short book, so <laughs> there's a lot less to recap, and you will hear that as well. This is going to be our last episode before Christmas break, and then we'll be back in January with a Delta Burke episode with guest Akilah Green. I love, love, love that book and the episode we recorded. I think it's a perfect episode to start the new year, so look forward to that. And, you know, subscribe, send us stars, write reviews if you're feeling it. I read them all. I love them so much. Thank you. So, to start this Jennifer Lopez episode, to take us into Christmas break, I want to read a passage about how much she loves Christmas. You guys, her and Mariah lo both love Christmas. But in this book, Jennifer's having a hard Christmas. And, you know, it has been a tough year for all of us. This Christmas might be hard. So, I wanted to read a passage from her book, and then we'll go into the episode we recorded. The house was filled with food and gifts and laughter. And that afternoon, 24 of us sat down to a beautiful Christmas dinner. Things between Mark and me weren't perfect, of course. Our marriage was never the kind to glide along peacefully. From the beginning, it was tumultuous, passionate, and explosive. But we also shared many fulfilling and joyful moments. I knew we had problems, but we loved each other and we were trying. And I wanted more than anything to have a family, this family. So I was willing to ignore whatever wasn't going well for the greater good of preserving it. I thought that Christmas was exactly what I wanted. I thought that we were finally getting it right, that it was worth putting up with the difficulties because this was what life was all about. Every marriage has its challenges, but it was about keeping that marriage together, having that family unit, and making the dream come true, whatever the cost. Part of that concept still holds true for me. Family is most important. But the very next Christmas, 12 months later, I was waking up alone. The only people in the house were Max, Emmy, and my cousin Tiana, who had come to keep me company. My mother and my sisters, Linda and Leslie, had decided to stay in New York for the holidays, and they had asked me to come out, but I didn't want to go. I wanted to be in my own home, as empty as it now felt. I cried a lot that Christmas, though I tried to let the tears flow only when the kids couldn't see me. There's nothing like the holidays to make you feel a loss, and I was really feeling it. And with that, let's get into our episode... And my guest for this episode is my very good friend, Nicole Thurman. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Chelsea. <laughs> so Nicole and I have known each other for six or seven years, maybe? It's, okay, I can't do the math on that. But it's six or seven years. Um, we have both lived in Chicago, New York, and L.A. at the same times over the course of the last decade. One of the things we bonded over was moving a lot and always picking up and going. Nicole is an actress and a writer. She's written for the Emmys. She's currently on Sherman's Showcase on IFC. You've seen her in Shrill on Hulu, Indebted on NBC, and A Black Lady Sketch Show on HBO. 
She and I also worked together at The Second City and on The Opposition on Comedy Central. She was a correspondent on air and I was a writer. Uh, it was a beautiful duo. Um, and I introduced all my guests with the story of how we met. So Nicole, chime in if this is how you remember it, because now it was so long ago, I'm trying to remember it. But what I think happened was um, you were understudying um, the stage at Second City. And then I came in as an understudy in a different role. And I remember you just being like all business. Like you were just like, I am performing every night in the show. Like I, I'm in and I'm out and I'm like, wait, 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 you're really fun. Will you, ha- will you have a drink with me? And you were like, oh, okay. Um, and then I remember us going to like a weird ramen place and having a beer and then like realizing how much we had in common and then just like partying ever since. I feel like that sounds about right. I have the worst memory when it comes to how I met people, but uh, all all work, all business, and then leaving and going home, that sounds about right. Uh, me <laughs> having a beer with somebody sounds about right, and then not having many memories because there was beer involved sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds yeah. about right. And he knows me, and he knows it, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you on this week. Um, we both read JLo's book, True Love. This book was published in 2014, so six years ago. And first of all, I think we should say that while, yes, this is technically a book, it's more like a a long magazine. Right, right. It's like it has so, I think half the pages are pictures. It's stunning pictures, but half, half the pages are pictures. Okay, can I pause? Because I did not read the book. I listened to the audiobook of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) no. It was my first time ever even listening to an audiobook, but now I'm like, dang, I need to go back and look at all these pictures. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, here, I'll even, I mean, look, you can see them on my Instagram uh, oh my when gosh. this episode is up. But I mean, it, the, the book is, the font is also pretty big. It's a really big font. I mean, I, how long did it take you to listen to that? That's book? very big font. Are you kidding me? It was, it, t- it's, it was like three hours and 45 minutes or something like that to listen <laughs> yeah, to it. That's, it's very short. It's pretty, pretty short. Um, yeah. yeah. And then there's a ton of like pullout quotes. So it's really like enjoyable, light, very easy read, mm, barely a book. Um, <laughs> and I will also say in the beginning of the book, she's like, this is not a tell all. And you're like, God damn it. Um, but I found that there were like some hidden gems within this book, even though it wasn't a, a, a like dish it all book. Yeah. I feel like there's, it, it felt to me very protective of herself and very protective of the people that she's been with. But yeah. there's always those little things that people say where you're like, oh yeah, that person yes. did this shady thing. Or like, oh, that guy was an asshole. Okay. I can tell you can kind of like get it from there. Yeah. Oh, totally. She definitely left us breadcrumbs and yeah. we should get into all of them. But first, here is the framework for the book. JLo has just divorced Mark Anthony. She feels she's at rock bottom, and rock bottom is the title of chapter one. So this is her learning to get back on her feet after this divorce from Mark and being known for having all these other failed relationships in the tabloids. And she's just like, here we go again. I failed again but I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to learn how to love myself. So the Mark relationship, they married in 2004. Then they announced their split in 2011. And then Mark Anthony filed for divorce in 2012. So weird that he filed first given what's in this book, but whatever. And then they, they divorced in 2014. So after they divorce, she goes on tour and it is the Dance Again World Tour. It's 2012 and this book is telling the story of that tour. And really, you know, they include the set list. They include lyrics. The the songs she performed are chapter headings. And there are so many pictures. 
Most of the pictures in this book are from that tour. Go to my Instagram, at Chelsea Devantas. I will post them all when the podcast drops. And um, it's just like photos of her in like different variations of diamonds and feathers surrounded by hot men. And like, listen, if you're going to have a divorce party, make it be a year-long dance again tour where hot men just are like in oil and you're wearing like every gorgeous dress you've ever wanted to wear. So many great photos in the book. And then the book opens with a quote from Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we like, Brene. <laughs> yeah. Brene, I feel like, is like so wildly popular. Everyone knows Brene Brown now, but this book came out in 2014. So I was like, all right, JLo, like you yeah. were ahead of the curve. Um, I'm going to say this I've resisted Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going down this road. And um, in reading JLo's uh, book, starting with a Brene Brown quote, I caved and I ordered some Brene Brown books. She good. <laughs> She's, She's good. good. So good. Um, okay. Let me read the quote. Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. The experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our lights. Yeah. Which is the deepest passage in the book, and Brene Brown wrote it. But <laughs> yeah. it was funny because I, when I was looking up quotes from the book, that was one of them. And I was like, that is not J-Lo. Like, what are you, yeah, I know. you were attributing Brene Brown quotes to her. Yes, I know. Deep. I was like, oh, this really moved me. Um, someone uh-huh. else wrote it. But yeah, right. uh, we, it clearly moved um, J-Lo as well. Which, yeah. by the way, in the book, she's like, I hate being called J-Lo. So I feel bad saying, I feel like I should try and push myself to say Jennifer, but it'll be tough. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I found this book to be, like, a self-help book, which I think almost all of these female memoirs are, but this one especially. Like, every now and then it has, like, a really somewhat cheesy quote, but, like, yeah. still makes you feel good. Yeah. Oh, I wish that I could have I wish that I could have highlighted it and been reading it, like, as a physical book because there were moments, and I was, like, I, I was very skeptical, I must admit, going in. I was like, oh, Jesus. Because like, I've never really been a huge Jennifer Lopez fan, but, like, there were moments where I was like, yes. And like, like, you know, like clapping out loud and like snapping. And I was like, yes, like, okay, girl. Like there are good moments in it. Yes. There are so many great moments in the book. And, you know, I'm a huge JLo fan, but I do have criticisms about this book and I'm almost afraid to talk about them because the tweet that has gotten me the, in the most trouble in my entire life, <laughs> comedic life. I once tweeted a very lighthearted joke about J-Lo singing and hundreds of of Jennifer fans came to my page to be like, you should kill yourself. Like, you don't know her. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh my God, I was truly just supposed to be a funny joke. I think that happened to a friend of ours too about the same thing, but you know what? I'm sure your joke was accurate. <laughs> because mean, I think yeah, you, we, we all have thoughts. I mean, um, you know. I mean, I'm obsessed with her. I'm, but I'm obsessed with her as a a human and an icon yeah. and an entity. I'm not. I can't say I was like this is the. It, I don't know if her songs ever made like my top ten right. song list, but like I love her as a human. Um, yeah. Okay, so the book begins after her and Mark Anthony's seventh wedding anniversary. And she admits that she can't be with him. Her manager, Benny Medina, is a big character in the book, which she says he's the inspiration for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I know. Why was that again, though? Because he was the, um, he was like the Will Smith character? 
So her manager, Benny, grew up in South Los Angeles and he was super poor and he was in and out of foster homes and he struggled a lot. And then he befriended a wealthy white teenager and moved into his family's like rich Beverly Hills home and then worked his way up in the business to become this huge manager and and JLo's manager. And that story of his life is what inspired the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then she was like, oh, Benny gives the best toasts. When Benny is around and he clinks his glass, you know shit's gonna get lit. And then she like writes one of his posts and it was just like, to to live and love and laugh. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I texted you at some point when I was reading that. I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Yeah, I was like, that's it? I was like, that's quite the lead up. Um, Yeah, yeah, it kind of speaks to like the book's nature, which is like, I'm sure he's given an incredible detailed toast. And she's just like very, she's very protective in this book. I feel like it's also like the having been famous for a long time, you become like a person that kind of talks in very broad strokes so that you don't have to go into detail too much or give away too much. Oh, yeah, that's So that people don't have any access to your life, yeah. Yes, yes, where you're just like giving as little as possible. And speaking of, okay, I want to read um, just the last paragraph of the preface. My genuine intention and what I hope to accomplish with this book is that others can draw upon the experiences that changed the course of my life and find encouragement in the mantra that motivated the following pages. You will live. You will love. You will dance again. (laughs) It's just like, it's just definitely a sign like hanging in your aunt's kitchen. It's just like that toast where it's like so vague, but also, you know, it's nice. It's nice. If I saw that, I'd be like, yeah, I will dance again. (laughs) And, um, So one of the inspirational quotes in this book that really got me is something you and I have texted and and talked a lot about. She says, as an artist, you should only be in competition with yourself. Yes. Yes. I feel like that advice was given to me starting out where it's like, you are your only competition. And I was like, fuck that. All these famous rich people are my competition. Um, But... But yeah, I feel like people only tank themselves when they are heavily competing with someone else because you just like can't control anything except you. Right. I I, I think we were actually, we mentioned this a little bit this morning even where it comes, it comes up so often in our careers. I think it's because people spend so much time looking out around them and trying to keep up with people, getting jealous of people, getting angry at people for getting what they want, competing with those people. When really, yeah, it's like the more you challenge yourself, the more you work hard on yourself, the more you, you make yourself do better, the better you're going to be and better you're going to do. And that's what what a lot of this book was about just in general, I feel like, was the more you love yourself, the more you challenge yourself, the better off you're going to be in the end. Definitely. This book's whole message is like you have to love yourself to go on. I will say we... We were talking about this earlier. We were being a little bit shadier. Um, And I'm going to out us a little bit and say that (laughs) so often, Nicole and I both feel that people um, people who are always looking at, like, why did they get this and not me, are not acknowledging that they don't work hard or are untalented. Right. And even if you are untalented, if you work hard enough, it doesn't matter. So you could just be working hard. And instead, those people would rather be like, oh, well, so-and-so didn't deserve to. And it's just like, have you done anything lately? And of course, quick disclaimer, I'm not talking about systemic oppression people go against. I, I We're talking about like all of that aside, then what do you choose to do with your time? Right. It's like people spend so much time being angry at other people. I had a friend who a long time ago, he gave me this advice that I swear by and live by every day. And it's helped me so much. Oh, I'm so excited. Every day. 
every day. I repeat it in my head all the time. It's don't get jealous, just work harder. Because I used to say like, oh, that person's on stage. Like, I just want to be on stage like them. Like, I'm so jealous. I'm so pissed off that they get this and I don't get that. And he always would say, don't get jealous, just work harder. And he'd always say it. And that's like, that's my MO forever. I love that. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of energy. Also, like, it works. If you yeah. just work harder, it always it works. Does. And also, it just leads you to be a happier person. So, Absolutely. so it's, it's, it's a selfish thing. So do it. <laughs> when you have ownership over your own actions, as opposed to thinking that the world is out to get you or the world is what's making it hard. When you have your own, your ownership over it, then you, I mean, all you have to do is you can either blame yourself or you can, you can be more re- real with yourself. I feel like too. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. It's a hard thing to do. Of. Yeah. It's hard a very thing hard to thing to do. Cause it's easy to like, look around and just be like, everybody else has this. Why don't I? And it's like, you can get it. Just don't worry about what they have right now. Like, yeah. well, also, I think what you said is like, it's easy to do that. It's hard to work hard. Working it's hard. hard. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It's like, I want to, I want to be, you know, I want to have abs. Well, guess what, bitch? You gotta do sit-ups. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's the only and way. You know what? And you know what? I'm not going to do sit-ups. Therefore, I have stopped being like, oh, I want to look hot. No, I don't. I don't want to do the work. I want to just sit. I want to sit. (laughs) If you want to be soft, you can sit. It's fine. I want to be soft. And and you're not not going to be like, yeah, you're not going to be like mad at the world for like not having abs. So you wouldn't, you shouldn't be mad at the world when you don't have the career you want or the whatever it is. Can you imagine if I like went to some like, I don't know, personal trainer, like Instagram woman's. Instagram and I was like, you only have these abs because uh, your dad gave you money. Right. <laughs> and it's like, look, it, that might be a part of it. He might have bought the home gym. She might not have to work. All she has to do every day is do sit ups. Okay, so that might be a part of it. Right. But I could still have abs. <laughs> right. And also, she has to get out of bed and go to the gym. She's not just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to use it. I mean, listen. But like, parents having money helps out in a lot of situations. But you know. yeah. <laughs> not yeah. all of them though um, people need to but stop. listen but listen I we're here on this podcast and we didn't have any fucking money so look at us yeah there you go that's right baby um, so um, it is 2012 and she is about to start this big world tour and Enrique Iglesias offers her a duet and she listens to it and she's like oh my god this song is amazing I don't want to do a duet with you. I think you should just give it to me and I'll do the song alone by myself. Get out of here. It's my song now. And somehow he's like, yeah, okay, great. You should have it. So she just like takes this duet. It's called Dance Again, which is the big theme of the book. It's about like getting back up and dancing again after your heart's been broken. You're going to live. You're going to love. You're going to dance, baby. (laughs) Oh my God. Put it on a kitschy sign and hang it in my kitchen. Um, Okay, so then early on in the book, this is this is my favorite thing about these memoirs. Ninety <laughs> percent of them have a moment where they go to a psychic, uh, and they tell you about it in the book. So this is pew pew the psychic moment. I love it. You know, I love psychics. I grew up with them. Um, that sounds crazy, but well, I grew up crazy. Okay, so J Lo visits this psychic, and and this is what the psychic says to her: Whenever you decide to go on tour, you're gonna grow. Like, yeah, like no shit. But I guess JLo heard that and she's like, I gotta go on tour. We going on a trip, okay? Yeah, we eating a little bit more McDonald's than normal. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, you're gonna grow. <laughs> grow. Okay. We're gonna grow uh-huh. as a person. We're gonna sure grow physically. But it really mm-hmm. hit Jennifer. She's like, okay, I gotta do this tour. I gotta do this tour. Um, do you do you talk to psychics, Nicole? No, but I've been tempted to. But then I'm always scared that they're gonna say something I'm not gonna like, and then I'll never be able to forget it. <laughs> I'll be, you know what I mean? Yes, that is. That's actually why I stopped seeing them because yeah. five years ago, um, one of one of my mom's favorite psychics predicted a series of events in my life so 
so accurately. Half of them were incredible. One was like a job promotion. And then half of them were fucking devastating. Yeah, I couldn't do that. That's why like I had the pattern app on my phone for a while. Do you ever do that? And like Uh, even that was too much for me because it would be like for the next 60 days, work is going to be trash. And it said it for like three months in a row. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know what? I don't don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm convinced, I'm convinced the pattern was created by advertising agencies to get you to input in all your idiosyncrasies so that they could advertise sunglasses to you on Instagram that you would buy, which I do. That's what I, I, so I think the pattern, that's where I think it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then in the book, it's a book about self-love. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part of this book is that like the whole time you can feel that Jennifer's like trying to talk about Casper, who is the yeah. guy she dates after Mark Anthony. But like she's not like allowed to because the book is about self-love. So it just like comes in in tiny little ways. But like in reality, she's dating Casper yeah. as she writes this book. As she's on her tour of self-love, she's with Casper. OK, so a little bit about Casper. Um, his name is Casper Smart. He is a backup dancer that she meets. And, and she says in the book, like, I just always relate so hard to other dancers because I started as a dancer. And so she meets him. He's her backup dancer. But then he, like, runs her tour. So this Dance Again tour, Casper is running it. And then what's not explicitly stated in the book is that they are also dating. So they dated from 2011 to 2016. And in the book, it's just like, oh yeah, Casper's here. But then, you know, and he's my number one collaborator and he's running the tour. But, and then never really says like, yeah, no, we're together. This this is who I started dating immediately after I divorced. I didn't even think about that because I remember being like, oh, we're going to get into the Casper stuff and then never hearing about it. And I was like, that was weird because I thought he Yo, was yeah. somebody that she dated. But yeah, yeah he, she's dating him why. as this like because she didn't want to act like that was a part of her healing journey. Yes. Right. Get exactly. The exactly. Okay. I see. I know. It's exactly. a part of it. <laughs> It's a part. Oh, it exactly. But I'm not like, oh, girl, you didn't do self love. You fucked Casper. I'm like, no, self love is fucking Casper. <laughs> a hot young dancer, honey. Come on. Yes, like it is part of healing yourself. Whatever it takes. Oh, that's um, so fascinating. Yeah, it's so wild. And also, so she starts seeing Casper after Mark Anthony. They date for five years. It's a long ass relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, and Casper's real name is Bo. I guess I learned from the book, but his nickname is Casper and it's just like two bad names, which is weird. Either way, you're not winning. Either (laughs) way, you're losing. (laughs) Either way, you're losing. Um, Okay. And so then, um, oh, she has another quote that hit me, which was in the same way, negative influences can bring you down. Having positive people around can help lift you up. And um, I, I'm including that quote to say two things. One, the quotes are a little corny in this. It's like a level one. So it's just like if you just need like a solid 101 pick me up. Yeah. These are the quotes you can expect Two, you and I talk about it all the time and you didn't make this New Year's resolution, but I made it for you, which is I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said, we don't bring no bullshit people into 2020. And I text I it to you all the time. Do I not? Where I'm all like, the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's Nicole's New Year's resolution that I made for her only because it's my New Year's resolution, so I forced it upon her. But yeah. like cutting out cutting out the trash. That's what I'm and it's been great. So then she gives us some romantic details where she's like, men have done insanely romantic things for me. Uh-huh. She lists that they've given her multiple Bentleys. Um, someone released hundreds of doves outside her window. I 
I only thought like poor doves and that makes me sad. Like what happened to the doves? Where'd they go? How, they, how were they captured? What's going on? But whatever. They released a bunch of doves outside her window. Um, they've, they've gotten her on private jets. They've given her rare diamonds. Um, and so she's, I mean, she's Jennifer Lopez. Right. I fucking hope that's happening. Right. She sings my love don't cost a thing, but you know she's lying. Her love is expansive. Her love is like two <laughs> Bentleys and a fur coat. But it's okay. We're not mad but at it's it. Okay. We're not mad at it. We're not, We're not mad, mad at, at it. it. I support We're that. Listen. Gift giving is a love language, okay? Or whatever. And sadly, it is mine. Do you know how horrifying oh, it was yeah. for me and my boyfriend to take those quizzes? And he's like, yours is gifts. And I was like, I'm a monster. Gifts was my lowest one because I was like, I don't need that. But I'll tell you what, if my... If someone gives me a flower, <laughs> I'm like, I love you. <laughs> like, it's very. So I do like gifts. I do. Yes. But I got like a physical touch and quality time. Oh no, no, no. I got um, words of affirmation, which is definitely me, and then like uh, physical touch and quality time were my other two. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> quality time was my lowest. <laughs> You're like, I don't need to see you. I just need to know that you exist in some realm. <laughs> I. But I think it's because, like, I don't know. I feel in defense of myself, instead of gifts, I wish it was called tangible, uh, tangible evidence that I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Because, again, like, if it was like I saw this rock and it it reminded me of your soul because it's sparkly, I would be like, oh, my God. And I'd, like, hold the rock. I'd carry it in my purse everywhere. So it's not about, like, money or gifts, but it is about, like, oh, you cared enough to, like, give me a tangible piece of evidence that, like, we're in love. I I love that. Um, And then when it comes to quality time, I think it was phrased in the book of, like, you just want to go on, like, a six-hour walk and talk about nothing. And I was like, that sounds like hell. <laughs> that sounds like hell. Like, I want to talk. I want to have quality time. Like, I don't need to. I want to do stuff, though. Yeah. I'm a busy woman. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, let's just hang out all the time. Be together yeah. all the time. I'm pretty clean. I love that. Yeah. Um, you look. Do what you have to do. Um. Okay. So, how Jennifer Lopez gets with Mark Anthony. Really? She 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 tries to dance around it, but I've... I've honed in on it. And I will reveal what I honed in on after this very short break. Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life, and I can't believe it, but I got to write my own, and it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir 
but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes. But, you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, and we are back. So here is how Jennifer ended up dating Mark Anthony after the Ben Affleck engagement. Three days after Ben Affleck calls off their wedding, and he calls off their wedding three days before they're supposed to get married. That is when she meets Mark Anthony. And also, quick call out, um, both of the last two relationships, Ben and Mark, they broke up with her, which I think speaks to just how hard she tries to make it work and she just won't give up on things, which is an admirable quality, but also hurts her. Um, okay, so the the Ben relationship, she dated Ben Affleck in 2002. They got engaged the same year and they break up in 2003, which is like such a short amount of time. Like in my head, that relationship was seven years long. And, you know, they planned the whole wedding. Everything is is set for that week. They're supposed to get married. Ben calls it off. Three days later, she runs into Mark Anthony. And, you know, she kind of says, um, running into Mark after this horrible heartbreak was like this, you know, this pick-me-up. Right. But then I think because the Ben Affleck relationship was like so much in the press and it was like so both heartbreaking and embarrassing that having Mark there, she she jumped into that relationship and was like, oh, it's fate I was supposed to be with Mark. It's fate that Ben called it off. Um, it's fate we met a million years ago. And by putting everything into that, she was healing her past relationship as she was forming the new one. Yeah. And I've definitely been there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> have you been there? Have you have you done a like I'm swinging from one to the, that's a best selling joke that she's like, I swing from one dick to the next. Uh, who? Ellen? No, no. Best selling. Oh, I, I, mean, like, I was like, that cannot be an Ellen joke. <laughs> no, right. best selling as a joke where she's like, I'm a serial monogamous. Like, I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not even doing the joke justice. Swinging from like, one to the other. Swinging from, you know, basically you have your hand on one dick as you grab the next dick and then you let go. I think that's a Jennifer Lopez. God, um, I, I tell you what, is. like, I honestly wish that I could. I do wish that I could do that. I get jealous of people when I see that they do that. And I don't know why, but I think it's because it seems like safe or something. Like, it, it, feel, it seems like you don't have to. But I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I'm too of two minds about it because I'm I'm not good at it. I've never I've never done that. I don't think, especially not like in my later adult years. I'll have like big gaps between relationships. But yeah. um, I don't know. Sometimes I do get jealous of that because it, it is the best. It's like a, a nice way to like kind of not have to deal as much with the heartbreak, heartbreak of it, and like wallowing in it. And you get to just be excited about someone else. Like that's kind of nice. 
Yeah, no, it does. I mean, it, I think it sounds, I think it feels amazing, which is why people do it, but I do think it creates uh, horrific relationships. Yeah, and that's I mean, why I don't dig it because I, I just think it's like you don't have enough time to heal yourself. Totally. Well, okay, so J-Lo is obsessed with love. The title of her book is called True Love. And then learning this fact uh, really weirded me out. Um, she's, of her albums, 60 of her songs have love in the title. That's crazy. 60. And I was like, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. And you know, the the annoying feminist in me is like, not that many, but you know, you do you. But yeah, 60 of her songs include love in the title. And she's like, oh, I'm obsessed with it. Okay, so one thing we should talk about is that Jennifer Lopez became a judge on American Idol in season 10. And this was a job that really helped her feel more powerful in herself because she wasn't singing or performing. She was just being herself. And the public saw who she was and responded really well to her. And she was really afraid to just like be herself and how that would go. And, and it was great. And it helped her become stronger and helped her survive this divorce. Quick crossover with Mel B, who also was a judge in Britain and in a horrible marriage. And these jobs gave these women their own platform to just be their selves and feel good about it. Also, something to talk about is that Jennifer Lopez had twins in 2009. Um, and, you know, that that's also a big part of her life and a big part of this book are, are her twins, Max and Emmy. Okay, so she's talking about American Idol. And this is a part that really made me sad for one of the American Idol finales. A performance falls through. And so the producers are like, hey, J-Lo, do you and Mark Anthony want to do a song together? And she's like, oh, okay, great. And she's trying to fix her marriage. And so she's like, hey, Mark, um, you know, why don't we sing one of your songs and I can sing it with you? And he's like, that's a man's song. Um, I need to sing it alone. You can dance. And and she's like, okay, great. And so for the American Idol finale, Mark Anthony sings a song by himself and J-Lo dances around him. And then, and this is the tiny bit of shade she throws. She doesn't talk a lot of gossip, but she was like, yeah, afterwards I was sort of like, it's interesting that it was my show and uh, it should have been about me. And instead I did his thing. I did something for him. Yeah. That's pretty wild. That's pretty know. wild. It was a bummer. Um, then she has a page about Leah Remini, which I love because Leah Remini has pages about JLo in her book. Mm. So it's like mm. a little best friendship crossover. Um, and it's, it's short and it's brief, but it's really cute. And there's a picture of them. Okay. So here is their friendship story. So Leah and JLo met through their husbands in 2004. Mark Anthony is friends with Leah's husband, Angelo, because they're both Latin singers. And they met at the Man on Fire premiere and they just became best friends. And Leah's memoir, which we covered on the podcast, such a funny episode. Um, so yeah, Leah put JLo in her book. JLo puts Leah in her book, there's pictures of them. They both, um, they were best friends in the movie Second Act, which is just a cute little rom-com. Highly recommend it. Okay, so then she quotes Marianne Williamson. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, so she quotes Marianne Williamson, which is like such a good reminder that Marianne was like a, a really, really respected self-help person. Yeah. Um, who became a presidential candidate this year. Wild. Um, Wild. But I want to read the quote because if this quote got this woman known for being very woo-woo to run for president, it must work wonders on your self-esteem. So here mm -hmm. it is. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. But as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same. 
Wait, but is the first half of that first half of that is not a Mary Williamson quote, is it? The whole thing is Marianne Williamson. I thought that was yes. like a famous quote of the uh, of someone else. I don't know who, but yes. Okay, I know why you think that. So this quote is very, very frequently and famously misattributed to Nelson Mandela. Uh, one weird, funny story is that I journaled a lot as a kid, and I wrote this quote in one of my like teenage journals because it just moved me so much. And in my journal, I'm like Nelson Mandela said this. Um, and the 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 day I found out Nelson didn't say this uh, was the day I read the J-Lo book. <laughs> so it's like 2014, I found out that he didn't say it and Marianne Williamson did. It is so weird that that happened. Nelson, uh, he commented on it. Um, Marianne Williamson commented on it and they both were like, yeah, we're not really sure how this happened, but everyone thinks <laughs> Nelson Mandela said a Marianne Williamson quote. But it's it's a great quote and I love the part where it says, As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same. I feel like that this is like goes back to what was in JLo's book about only being in competition with yourself of just like kind of the brighter and happier you get, the more you bring people along. It's only when you're in kind of like bad, low self-esteem places that you have to drag people down so that they stay down with you. Absolutely. But if you like, yeah, if you go forward, you can bring others with you. And a lot of times I think when you're, my brain is like not functioning today, but like there's something about like when you're in a low place, you bring people that are in low places as well around you. And so they're not bringing out the best in you. You're not bringing out the best in them. And so it's like everybody's just kind of holding each other down. But when you're like, when you're feeling better within yourself, you attract people that are better for you inherently. And then they shine a light on you and you shine a light on them. And it's like, I mean, I have a lot to say about this book because of this kind of stuff and because of like my like life experience and like the past couple of years of my life has been a lot of this kind of in general. So, yes, totally. And I think it's one of those things of like chicken before the egg of like when you're doing better, you'll look around and you'll realize you're surrounded by happy people. Yeah. But also, if you're doing bad, you can look around and remove the horrible people from around you yeah, and then get into a better place that way. It's like, yep, we've talked about that. We're making eye contact right now. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Totally. Um, Well, okay. So then JLo's like obsessed with Louise Hay books as she's trying to get through this divorce. Louise Hay is the author of the 1984 mega bestseller, You Can Heal Your Life. It was a huge hit. And then someone's like, yeah, you're Jennifer Lopez. Let's just call Louise. Right. (laughs) Like, get her to come over. And she's like, oh my God, you're right. So they call her over and, and she has this session with her and, and in this session, and it's alluded to in the book, we kind of come to the whole thesis of the book, which is JLo's big revelation, even though it's, uh, you know, whatever the big revelation is JLo has low self-esteem. It's like, it's one of those things that makes you feel both more human where you're like, oh, if JLo can have low self-esteem, like, of course. And it's, and then it's another thing where you're like, oh, I'm hopeless. Right. I'm hopeless. JLo has low self-esteem. What am I going to do? It's crazy. It's really crazy. But it's always like that where you look at your, even like any friend, you look at your friend, you're like, you're the most fucking fabulous human I've ever met. How are you so mad at yourself all the time or whatever? It's like, it's crazy how people see themselves versus how the world sees them. It's crazy. Totally. Totally. So it can be Um, anybody. And what I will say is that (laughs) this year, um, there was a man who said to me, ugh, I don't like J-Lo. She just seems so pleased with herself. Like, 
my jaw was so far on the floor. It was like in the center of the earth's core. That's how, that's how far my jaw dropped. Like if someone should be pleased with themselves and what they've done, it should be JLo and absolutely not that dude. And, and then I was like, you're a dopey loser. Right. How dare you even look at her? Right. It, it really made me mad. I tweeted about it. I'll share it. Um, <laughs> Okay, and then, okay, so she's still going through a heartbreak. And the other thing that really helps her is that she watches Nancy Myers, uh, Something's Gotta Give, like 10 times. <laughs> and then she's like, Nancy Myers, like, really led the way to my healing, which is, like, very funny because, um, you know, uh, but I-, I love Nancy's movies. They're, they're, they're supposed to be about, like, real women, yeah. older women. I say older just to mean not 20. So just not 20 years old and, like, go through heartbreak and pick yourself back yeah. up. Like, th- I love her movies. Yeah. I love um, something's got to give. That's the one where Diane Keaton wakes up crying, right? Every for like, yes. every day for like two weeks, and she's like writing, yes. <laughs> writing a book and stuff. <laughs> yes, so I feel good. like we've sent that gift to each other too. A million we just wake times. up and start crying. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, a million times. Yes. Um, Okay. So then she's like to this part on the tour where she was like, I was going to do something really vulnerable and I'm going to sing this song that kind of details all the loves of my life. And she goes out on stage. She sings this song. (laughs) And then there's a man dressed as Puffy, P. Diddy. Uh, There's a man dressed as her first husband, Chris. There's a man dressed like Ben Affleck. And there's a man dressed like Mark Anthony. And she like dances like through them as like each of her loves or whatever. And then again, it fucking kills me because before she's about to go on stage she's like i can't do this song i can't i can't open up i'm too vulnerable but then she does here are the lyrics that she's like i'm sharing too much i can't (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm already like laughing about it took a shot with the bad boy from the block picked my love right from the start mr wrong he played his part so that's puffy Uh, She said, to the right on stage stood a man wearing sunglasses and a gray suit and a woman dressed in that famous green Versace gown. It was Puffy and me. Okay, so then the Chris Judd verse. Back to the beginning, now round two. Try my luck with something new. We danced until we said I do. My luck is bad. No more us two, no me and you. So that's Chris and her. And she said uh, on stage is a man with a shaved head kneeling to propose to a woman. And the woman had her hair in braids and was wearing the JLo shirt from Love Don't Cost a Thing. So Chris Judd, uh, she was married to him from 2001 to 2002. He was her backup dancer, much like Casper Smart. So she's very clearly pointing out uh, who each verse is about. So then the next verse It's take three. Could there be a part for me? Came and swept me off my feet. Went nowhere, but kept the ring. Once again, I'm lonely. Okay, so I do love this because we learned she kept the ring from Ben, which was like that huge pink diamond. Um, I love that journey. Love that journey for her. Um, She said to her right, a tall, handsome actor with a woman wearing a mint green dress, her hair pulled into a bun. Um, You guys, I posted this picture on my Instagram because I, I also cut out this picture in a magazine when I was young and pasted it as like Hollywood glamour. So I know this dress well. Um, And that's when she went to the Oscars with Ben in 2003. And then finally, the last verse, number four, you sang to me, but I'm not sure. So worn out, but loved you so. Made me want to try once more and I couldn't say no. And then she says to the left, a dashing man singing into a microphone while I danced around him in a short sparkly dress, just as Mark and I had danced on the finale of American Idol only a few months earlier. And then the end of the song for her, is there one love, somebody that compliments me and makes me never want to leave, made just for me, is there one love, one love, one love, one love. So that's the like deeply vulnerable song that she sings. And it's kind of like, 
come on, tell right. us like tell us what their dicks are like. Yeah. <laughs> like, <what's going> on? <laughs> What's um, the shittiest thing they did? What's the shittiest thing they said? Yes, Tell us what did they do? What did you say to them? What's the real reason? Yeah. Um, okay. As the book is going on, she is now sneaking in pictures where Casper's like in in the background, and so like now all there's these books where they're like praying, and you're like, is that Casper next to her? Oh um, and so he's like hidden in the book. I'll say Casper. Um, I went and looked this up. He was 18 years her junior. Um, he was 23, 24 years old, um, and they dated for five years. And this is also another female memoir book club theme. It's like Demi Moore dates Ashton Kutcher. Cher dates a guy 20 years younger than her. It's like all these women who 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 have this similar thing, which is which is it's rare to do this. I think at least in culture, maybe not in actual statistics, but in culture, right. it's rare for like the woman to be older. And I just like I love when women do this. Yeah. Um, and then Casper gave a quote where someone was like, "Did you ever consider?" marrying j-lo and he said i consider marriage with every girl i know i'm a romantic (laughs) casper said i'm not giving her anything (laughs) not to mention i'm gonna ruin this sounding special to the woman i decide to be with in the future i've just decided to fuck myself and then when i was looking this up i also found a a picture j-lo posted of her just looking so fucking hot and p diddy commented on it um with like fire or something. And then A-Rod commented like, lucky me. And I was like, Ooh. how dope is that to have just like your ex still commenting? All the men just thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just love you so much. They just right. love you so much. Um, and then, yeah, there's not a lot of like Ben Affleck details, which yeah. is, there's not a lot of details on any of these men. I w- wish we could have gotten the tea on Ben, especially because whenever I think of Ben Affleck, oh, so after he, they they both got into band-aid relationships. He, which I don't want to call it that. I don't want to um Casper, I feel okay saying it's a band-aid relationship because I think he like cheated on her and she found her true love in A-Rod. But with Ben Affleck, um, he and Jennifer Garner got married in 2005. And then they announced their divorce 10 years later in 2015. The divorce finalized in 2018. And then, you know, it was really final when he got that divorce tattoo on his back of a phoenix. Whenever you get a phoenix tattoo, that means you got a divorce and... and So that's when they were officially divorced. But then back when he was giving his Oscar speech for winning Best Picture for Argo, that was in 2013. And that was when he spent most of the speech talking about how much work marriage is. Right. Right. (laughs) You need to quit your job and get a new job. Right. And like as he was just like, marriage is work. But wow, we like to work. And then like, I don't know, I think six months later they got divorced. Oh, my God. That was when he was drinking, too. And he's a hot mess about back then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess do, it was. Yeah. I do always think that's weird when you're like talking to somebody about marriage and they they're just like, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's like, okay, yeah. but like, is it supposed to be that hard? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I can imagine it's a little tough because dealing with the same yeah. person for years and years. But like, also like, are you okay? Like, yeah. maybe you should clock yeah, out. I mean, I th- yeah, you need to like yeah, you take like a work vacation. Yeah, um, yeah. get suspended. You need for some a paid leave, honey, because something's yeah. not working right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, relationships are work to the degree they're supposed to be work. I guess is like up for debate, but yeah. I feel like it should be a little lower. Yeah, than, um, is maybe said. Um, okay, so that's kind of the whole trajectory of the book. Good pick me up makes you feel good. So many stunning photos. Yeah, um, they're all gonna be on my Instagram, um, but. Do we learn a ton about J-Lo? Not really. 
Yeah, and I also feel like if you, I, 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 there's sometimes where I see books and I'm like, if you were in a position where you had not, <laughs> it sounds bad, but you had not been to therapy or like you were thinking about therapy and just kind of discovering these things about yourself, you weren't maybe that self-aware, but you were like kind of waking up, reading a book like this would be probably super inspiring. To me as a person that's like deep into therapy, having dealt with all this shit, I'm like, okay, you could have gone a little deeper, you know? That's a great point. Like if you have a friend who's like not ready to like, really do the work yet but she needs a push this is a book to give her because I this is actually my second I don't know how I didn't bring this up before this is my second read of yeah, this book. really yes it is um I read this when I was I think right when it came out I read this in 2014 and yeah. I was performing and I was I just remember reading it backstage and honest to god my memory of it is like Wow, this is really inspiring. Yeah. Well, especially because <laughs> if you're performing and doing a live show like that, I'm sure you had connections totally. to it and like what you were going, uh, what was going on with you at the time with relationships or whatever it was, you know? Absolutely. Like in the middle of heartbreaks and trying to find the right relationship. And yeah, I, I remember being like, it was so, and also I had this memory in the book that she says she likes busted looking dudes. <laughs> and, but I don't. I like didn't I I don't know if I missed it this read but like I remember her being like I kind of like busted looking dudes and you're like yeah look at Mark Anthony look at Casper like this is her type uh, yeah. but that said I didn't see it in the book this time I'm like did she reprint it what oh my did God, I make that funny. up funny and also Maybe she probably didn't she probably just made it up because you probably just thought Mark Anthony is busted and then you just attached that in your head <laughs> Oh my God, I hope not. Oh my God, what if she's never said any? No, she's definitely said like, you know, I've found every man I've, she definitely, because I, I looked this up, she's like, I definitely found every man I've been with handsome. Um, that said, some people might have looked at me and been like, what is she thinking? Right. So I saw a quote too yeah. where she's, I mean, it might have been because she was like trying to hawk some perfume or something, but she said, it doesn't matter to me how a person looks, it matters how they smell. So it's like, mm. she doesn't care. She likes the energy, she likes the vibe. She's like, I mean, it's not like P. Diddy's like super cute or anything. Oh, really? I think he's, I think he's, I think he's one. like very stylish. I guess out of all of them, no, Ben out Affleck's of all of them, the hottest. I think he's the hottest. Ben Affleck, well, it goes to me, Ben oh, Affleck, really? then like P. Diddy, then maybe A-Rod, I guess, but he's not really my type. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I know your type and not, nary a type is near this list. <laughs> nary a man is on, nary a type of Nicole's is on the list. Yeah, no. Okay, so you guys, there's just not a lot in this book. Again, she's just so protective. But I do want to go back and read a quote that I really loved. Um, it's from 2011 when Jennifer Lopez was named the most beautiful woman in the world um, on People magazine and read a passage from the book that talks about that moment. Things couldn't have been going better for me professionally. People Magazine named me as one of its most beautiful women in the world. My record was number one. My video was number one. And I was on the number one television show in America. I felt like I was on top of the world. So that's when she's on American Idol. That's the number one TV show she's talking about. And this moment in her life is when she says she's at her unhappiest. And can you imagine being like, oh, I've just been named the most beautiful person in the world. And you're like, uh, I've never been more depressed. Yeah, I cannot imagine that. I mean, I think it really speaks to the fact that like that's all that stuff is not validating. Like you want it. It feels good. It's a rush. But like if you're deeply not OK, it doesn't matter if someone thinks you're hot, not hot. Everyone thinks Jennifer Lopez is hot and she's she's in the worst moment of her life. Right. And I think it was uh, there was a powerful I think it was the beginning of the book where she's talking about how her body 
was like responding to something that she didn't even know that she felt because she was like in the terrible place. But like everything is happening is so good. So you're not supposed to. So like consciously she wasn't aware of it, but then her body's like having a panic attack more or less because she's just like not happy with Mark, wanting to divorce him. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, it is weird about that because, but I feel like it's like, that's, so that feels to me very much like a performer's life. Like, it's like, you're not in control of what's happening around you. Uh, and it's all good things maybe, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be like, that doesn't mean anything's going to be inside your heart that's going to be <laughs> feeling good or having a fun time, you know? It's, yeah. it's, just, it's weird how that One, works. 100%. It's, it's so funny you said that because I actually, um, I, I chose this page too. This is, that was also a quote that spoke to me. So yeah. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Um, Benny, who has been through so much with me over 15 years, we have worked together and been friends, took my hands. Hey, now, what's happening? What's going on? He asked. My mom rushed to my side, too, a look of concern on her face. All I could say was, I don't know. I don't feel right. I'm scared. I feel like I'm losing my mind. He tried to calm me down, saying, you're fine, Jennifer. You're good. Everything's okay." To him, I looked completely calm, but I wasn't. It was one of those moments when you're so scared you can't even scream. It feels as if you're paralyzed. Yeah. And that I've had, I've had, uh, that to me sounds like, um, a panic attack, right. which I've definitely had. And, you know, it panic manifests itself differently in all times of people, but at least I know for myself and I think many others is like, it's a pretty, um, inside feeling that is a monster, but you can look pretty calm on the outside for quite a lot of time before it will bust through and make itself known. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that, I mean, that's how I am. I tell people all the time. I'm like, yeah, the first time I met you, I was so nervous. I was shaking. I was sweating so bad. And like, now I'm not like that. And they're like, what? You were nervous. You didn't look nervous at all. You were like being friendly and having a fun time. And I'm like, I was a freaking mess. It's like, it is crazy. I remember like, especially if, especially if I hit that third or fourth drink, I would wake up oh, in yeah. the morning and be like, oh, I was such a fucking mess last night. And I've just said the dumbest things and blah, blah, blah. And everyone, no one, n- none of that happened to anyone except you. Yeah. But then it's also real to you. So you have to like still deal with it, even though it, it didn't actually take place with anyone else. Absolutely. But I also, I also think within this situation, to me, it, it reads also as someone who, who wasn't, it's like, it's like uh, it's like that feeling of like you're running on a treadmill and so you only see what's in front of you, but you're like ignoring the things that are like like the peripheral problems. And so to me, yes. it felt very much like she was like ignoring like the real shit because she you get so focused on like, I got to do this show. I got to be in this city. I'm wearing this outfit. Then I got to do this TV appearance or whatever. And then but in the back of her mind, in the back of everything else, it's like all this other stuff going on that she's like pushing down or ignoring and not paying attention to. And then it manifests in a panic attack. Totally. Yeah. Where your, your body will just like be like, okay, your, your brain won't let you break down. So I'm just going to like break for you because like we're breaking. Yeah. Yeah. She also writes a lot about that. I say a lot, just a little bit, but it really came through to me that because she'd kind of been known as like the woman who like dates everybody and like can't keep a man that she worked overtime to force this Mark Anthony relationship to work. She, she jumped into it too fast after Ben, um, and then gave it everything so even after seven years of what it sounds like it probably wasn't an overall good seven years when she finally is like this isn't working she feels like more than the heartbreak i think she feels like a a, a failure and that everyone's yeah. gonna judge her and yeah, she, i think she, she said that it. yeah yeah i think she said that like i failed like i'm that person that doesn't know how to make a relationship work i mean my god i would feel the same way can you imagine being jayla and like, cause she really, I mean, she made some bad, maybe they weren't even bad decisions. It's just decisions, but they're so public. They were so public. I, and I feel like 
I feel like it was in an era where we were like vicious and hard on her. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I think if those same set of decisions started at this year, we would yeah. be like, yes, bitch. Like, well, that's like, very true. Ariana Grande is singing like, thank you next. And we're just like, yes, yes. Thank you next. Like move the fuck on. And JLo was made to feel like, Ooh, it didn't work. You didn't get it. And it's like, that's insane. She dated, uh, married, engaged all these like men, some of them phenomenal. Good for her. Keep it moving. She's like two beautiful kids. Like, yeah. And, and now seeing her with A-Rod, it's like, and she's 50. It's like, Oh, you're her. I mean, they're a match if I've yeah. ever said them. And I don't even care if they break up in the future. They are a match. Right. Absolutely. They just feel like such a match. And it's, I don't know. I feel like we shamed her unnecessarily in a ridiculous, same with like Elizabeth Taylor. It's like, oh, so many husbands. It's only cool. You got that many husbands? Like, good for you. The media really can shape a situation. And also, um, I think back in like the 90s, early 2000s, the media was way more harsh with celebrities and way more like in their faces and attacking them and violent towards them. And yes, now especially women. Absolutely. And now they're still the same way, but like in a in a in a obviously a more conscious way because of just the way the world has kind of like warped because social media has blown up so big and then kind of folded back over on itself. And now it's like you have to be a little bit more cautious and we're more accepting of like people's you know, mental health, they're not yes. being sex, like not being sexist towards people. Like, even though the media can still be awful, they're a little bit more conscious of that stuff. Totally. I think that's a that's the most interesting part of reading these books to me, where it's like it still feels like and we do. We live in a sexist, racist, homophobic, all, horrible world. And then when you read these books, you're like, oh, God, it, we really have gotten better, which is yes. sad because it's really bad now. But oh, my God, I mean, the Jesus shit we were Christ, doing. You, I, I don't know if you ever saw the documentary on Lorena Bobbitt, but oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Lorena Bobbitt documentary. Everyone, I you you have to go watch this. Um, so in case you don't know the name, Lorena Bobbitt is John Bobbitt's wife. Um, she cut his dick off and threw it, and it became this huge crime and this huge thing. And then he later went on to become a porn star. He had a bunch of, like, penal surgeries that... Um, really messed up his penis uh, as if it wasn't already cut off once before. And then to watch the documentary and realize she was a abused woman and um, and she was Latina and and that played into the prejudice her against her. And then, yeah. yeah, and it was the Latinx community that like came out to help her get through that court case. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And I feel like that's... You guys highly recommend... I know, we're like... But I feel like it was... It's a lot of that. And that's a lot of, like, the... the, the they And it's also, you know, when people are at the height of their shit, that's when people are the most vicious toward them. It's just, like, 100%. when she was at the... That was the height, I think, the pinnacle of her fame and just the... Uh, the What's the word? The decadence, the opulence, the over, the extraness of all of the J-Lo thing. That's when it became J-Lo. And so that's yes, when the yeah. media was like, yeah, fuck you. You know, you're just sleeping with everybody. and You're making horrible decisions. And it's because she was so big at the time. Totally. And I, I see that in like a lot of these books and just in my friends' lives and yeah. in small ways and big ways. But it's like this horrible realization that when you are at your most successful and and reaping all those rewards, you will also be reaping the worst hate yeah. from idiot haters at 100%. the same time. And that it's just guaranteed. Guaranteed. Which is, that's really sad. It's a lot of what, but it's a lot of, this is my thing too, is I'm so big on it, is it's a lot of what's coming from within people and they're putting it on other people. I feel bad about myself. That person looks happy and rich, so fuck them. And it's like, what? 
Like that logic <laughs> is crazy. Just be happy with yourself. Like, but that's, a, it's the same thing. It kind of always circles back to the same thing. Like if you're, if you're feeling bad about yourself, you're going to go make someone else feel bad to make yourself feel more powerful. And it's like, that's not going to do nothing for anybody for real. Oh, 100%. And look, I get it. It's hard. JLo can wear a handkerchief with no underwire. <laughs> And everything stays up and looks perfect. It's barely covering her body. And you're just like, oh, God, that's quite a life. I wish I had that yeah. life. Um, but, like, if she wasn't doing that, then we wouldn't have these, like, stunning ass photos yeah. to look and at. And then she has to fuck. But then she also has to have people cover her up, have bodyguards so people don't attack her. Then she has to go sit at her house and do nothing for the rest of the night because she can't go out. But we don't see no, that totally. part. You know, we don't talk yeah, about that part. Yeah. And it's not that. Yeah. Listen, I don't feel sorry for her because, I mean, I don't. But at the same time, it's just, like, it's hard, it's hard for people to remember that stuff. And that's where, like, the sexiest woman, sure, I mean, fuck, like, lucky. That's awesome. That's cool. But at the same time, yes. if she goes, home and her the fact that you're and her husband's like I don't want to fuck ever or like you know what you never know (laughs) and what he said to her she like gets that she like gets all these accolades and then he's like yeah I'm not happy yes and she's like who it you're just not happy at all and he's like yeah I'm not happy at all and then she was sort of like well Jesus I've been working so hard to make you happy if you're not happy like what am I um and that's that's the most beautiful woman in the world like so it's yeah it just really ain't about that shit um I will say this about her dresses Um, she wore this on her 50th birthday A-Rod was there he like ushered her into a club and she was wearing this like stunning um, like sheer navy blue velvet dress that had like tons of cutouts. Like it was just like barely on and it had like these like velvet birds on it. And it, it's, I don't know, it's probably the size of my hand, <laughs> but like it was so beautiful. And I kid you not, I saw Forever 21 knock that dress off <laughs> and I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've worn it to places and I will show you. And it's so pathetic when I'm wearing it because I wore it with a bra and like, there's just no fabric for a bra. So it's just me in a full bra wearing a dress that like doesn't cover the bra and like pretending we're okay with it um, because that's how much I love her style, but like cannot do it in any way. Well, then I think it's time for me to read the very last paragraph of the book as we close our podcast out. Like Louise taught me, I keep dancing. I may not be getting all the steps right yet, but I'm dancing my heart out. I am the woman I've always wanted to be because for the first time, I can truly say that, yes, I love myself. That's the key. That's the greatest love of all. The one that matters most. The one that Max and Emmy taught me all about. That's true love. And she said said the title of the book has the last two words. We love it. Finally. I just want to do a thank you. You know, all books end with a thank you. So I want to thank JLo for being in the movie, Selena. Holy shit. Yeah. Still one of my favorite movies of all goddamn time. I think that's like really what got me. I want to thank her for her duet with Jaw Rule. I had it on a tape and I would just, I put it, um, I, I put it on the tape. It was every song on the tape. And then I would just play it to make sure that when I drove to school and the windows were down, that song would be playing as yeah, I came yeah. in. Did that for a long time. Um, I want to thank JLo for having a juicy butt. As a lady with a juicy butt, she just like really paved the way. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want to thank her for being so fucking gorgeous. She is, I can't say she's a style inspiration because I truly cannot pull anything off. But I really look at her and go, God damn, I wish I could. And she brings just like so much like joy. She yeah. brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. 
You know what I really like was because I I didn't I always forget like I'm like I don't know if I like Jeremy's that much but I did I really liked that first song that she had that if you had my love and you gave me mm-hmm. that was a great song and then the other song I like of hers is that uh, on the floor song because it's really good for working out uh, I think we played it in Zumba classes a lot when I used to take yes. Zumba back in the day but anyway <laughs> it's a great workout song um, so I want to thank her for that. I want to thank her for being a strong female role model for just for like hard work. I like how she talks about being from the Bronx. I mean, sometimes it feels like she has like her branding is so like, you know, the same things over and over again. But there's a reason for that because it does take a lot of work to come from nothing. You come from the Bronx and like really work your ass off into getting to where she is. Like it's crazy how much she's done. So I want to thank her for that. And oh, I like... I actually really liked the audiobook because I really liked listening to her voice read the book. Like, I've never listened to an audiobook before. And, like, at first I was like, I don't know, like, do I want to listen to an audiobook? But I really enjoyed it. And it was nice to, like, I don't know, it's like a nice little, like, little company to hang out with her. And I want to say, JLo, thank you for this book. But write a goddamn another one. Yeah. (laughs) And put some details and some juice. Tell us about your childhood. Tell us about your relationships. Like, get the nitty gritty. I want more Leah Remini. Like, give us another one. Yeah. We love, we're ready for it. It's a new year. Yeah, if you're going to put Brene Brown, a quote about vulnerability in the top of your book, you got to be more vulnerable, girl. You got to dig a little deeper. You got to be more vulnerable. Give us a little bit more. Um, But we love you, JLo. Thank you. Bye, everybody. It was so great having Nicole on. She's just so much fun. And you can follow her on Twitter at Nicole Thurman. And that's Nicole with two C's, N-I-C-C-O-L-E. And she posts really funny videos all the time. She's constantly going viral. So she's a great follow. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. We're going to take a little break for Christmas. Then we'll be back with Delta Burke, which I cannot wait for. And in the meantime, if you guys want to subscribe or give us um, all the stars or write a review, I read them all. It means the most to me. And I will be posting almost every single photo Jennifer Lopez put in her book on my Instagram story the day the episode drops at Chelsea Devantes. And I will save them all in a highlight afterwards so they're always there for you to go and look through so it, it pairs with the podcast. You can also join the Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast. That's where you can start your own discussions and just dive in deeper with the book club community. Over Christmas break, I am going to be reading and recapping Celine Dion's memoir and Sheila E.'s memoir. She's this incredible drummer who was Prince's fiance. So if you want to follow along on the book recaps, go follow me at Chelsea Devantes over Christmas break. So Celebrity Book Club continues even if we're not dropping an episode. I could not do this podcast without our amazing producers, executive producer Daisy Rosario, producer Brandon Nix, and associate producer Corinne Wallace. You can listen to ad-free episodes only on Stitcher Premium, so you can get a free month of Stitcher if you'd like to try it out using the promo code BOOKS. I will see you after the break or online. Have a phenomenal holiday, 